Welcome to All's Fair in Lava and Floor. I'm Amanda. And I'm Anne. And we are everybody's favorite obstacle obstacle course game show fan cast. That was that was a mouthful. Wow. It was. <laughs> I feel like I used to say it better. Um, it's okay. We're rusty. It's fine. Yeah. I will I'll get there. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. You know, I mean the important thing is that volcanoes don't die, they just go dormant. We were yes. we were dormant for a while and now now we're back. And not only are we back, we have we have our first guest of our our new season, which is very exciting. So joining us today we have Ryan DeGiorgi, my coworker, friend, professional speedrunner. How would you like to introduce yourself, Ryan? Yes, all of those things. I mean the last one's a lie, but yeah, all of those things. <laughs> Although I do often say it's true. It is a lie. Hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, very excited to be on. I'm uh, I make games at Jackbox Games and I do a podcast called Love for the Magic Tavern, or I'm, you know, slightly involved with that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, I just I want to get into this because I am so excited. Uh, our first episode of this show aired in July 2020. Wow. Um, and Man. I uh, I just like I I mean, a obviously don't remember how to do this, uh, but also uh, I I was just so psyched to have the show come back, and so I'm really psyched to talk about episode one of Flora's Lava. Totally. <laughs> so I mean, I guess first of all, uh, the intro alone gave us so much of mm -hmm. the extreme changes. <laughs> yes. From the first season. Yes, I mean, I would say you know, building building on a lot that was already there. Um, so this is kind of it's not just a sequel; it's kind of like a level up because now we know where the lava is coming from, which was yeah. one of our our pressing <laughs> questions about this show for some reason <laughs> was where. But now we can see the volcano, and we yeah. know that it's outside this this extremely large house, admittedly. But oh yeah, um, I mean, it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that definitely answers a. A good question. We still don't know why the lava is like putting consistency, but we at least know <laughs> that it's coming from this volcano. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a slow volcano. It has to be. And all the slow volcanoes have just like that slow rolling. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. lava. Yeah, yeah that makes that's sense. That's just science. I mean, yeah, it, it's God, beautiful. I feel dumb. <laughs> it's okay. I, I understand. We we had many discussions last season about uh, how we weren't geologists. And so it's okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, okay for us not to understand how the, you know, the geological forces work when it comes to lava. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like the, the first thing that really got me um, was obviously that like, I feel like the producing gods heard our prayers and <laughs> put Rutledge Wood in the room with them while they were doing the course. Yeah. Uh, and I'm already very excited because he was wearing a costume. He was wearing yes. a themed yep. <laughs> costume for the garage, which was the uh -huh. first room that we got to see. He's got like his uh, his workers uh, jumpsuit. Yeah, like uh, I'm just so excited. Suit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With a, with a rag very artfully tucked in the back pocket. I, I noticed that on my on my <laughs> second viewing. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like there was some brilliant costumer out there who like sewed it so that it hung exactly right and wouldn't move. <laughs> you know, it was perfect. That was instantly 
a question I had as I was watching mm-hmm. it because I loved it. I love that he's there. I love that he's he's sort of yelling back and forth with the with the, the players. But is that at all ever real or is it like done later? Because like they're never in the shot at the same time. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to imagine what this room actually looks like. Like yeah. is it really a giant like coliseum with like a bowl <laughs> part that he's like overlooking? I mean, the other team looks at them too. Like, but are they looking at monitors? Or it's hard to tell exactly how they made that. Yeah, I I have a suspicion about this, which is that Ooh. I think that the balcony set, um, which is what I guess I'm going to call it, is mm. a separate set in a different location, <sighs> and then at that point they are watching video. Possibly yeah. live, possibly on a different day, but I think they can see what's happening. But I don't think that the eye lines track like the way that the degree that they're looking down versus the degree that when people were saying, oh, there's Rutledge who were actually on the course were looking up didn't quite track. So I think he was there, but I think he was there in a different location, if that makes sense. So I think oh. that that was still maybe done later, but I'm not I'm not completely certain on that. I think it's possible that they were shot at the same time. I just think for logistical reasons, like you would have so many cameras moving at that point um yeah Yeah. it just doesn't seem like you know the the kind of equipment that they need to make those courses work and to film them i i think probably it it would be very difficult to actually have everybody in the same room especially with the timing right because you if you've done somebody's run like how long does that actually take to film um you know and then you've got to get them out and i don't know and people's hair looked like it had maybe been cleaned up a bit <laughs> since I they mean, had fallen in. Um, yeah, that's definitely, definitely. true. Yeah. Uh, we did have, you know, some insight. We got very lucky in our first season of this podcast mm-hmm. to have a couple of uh, contestants on as guests. And uh, the contestants did tell us that, you know, there were very cold showers for them uh, to take. And then they had <laughs> to have a duplicate of their outfit to change into. So, yeah. I mean, I... I don't know. I got the impression it was there, but it was just like an extremely high balcony um, and like they couldn't actually be heard by the people uh, down mm-hmm. actually playing on the course. I assumed it was a little far away, uh, but yeah, it was. That's a fair point. It could very well be monitors or or something else. I kind of it was like, if you could get a shot starting from him and then panning to them, you would get it. And because mm-hmm. they didn't have it, I was like, okay, sure. Two sets. Yeah. That's extremely fair. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes sense. I would assume that that shot would be hard just because there's got to be cameras in like three That's different true. spots on every wall in every corner, uh, yeah. you know? And too. so like that pan down would be like, do you want to see all of our lighting rigs? Uh, <laughs> or... I do, but yeah. I would love that to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I think maybe they could hear him though, because I think uh, one of the dads said something about like that's not encouraging Rutledge. So I think that maybe at least some of this, maybe he was doing off the cuff, um, and even if it was refilmed later, that maybe they were using some of the same patter or something like that. I don't know. I would be very curious to know. And now we actually know somebody we can ask. But it's more fun to decide whether or not Rutledge Wood was standing on a balcony like a god king. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I will also say in uh, in our almost two year off season, um, mm-hmm. I have uh, watched some of Rutledge Wood's other uh, projects, including Ooh. the what is it like a great American barbecue off mm-hmm. or something. And I've got to say, like, he's very much grown on me, which is to say I liked him <laughs> before uh, I, I was like enchanted 
and confused by him uh, <laughs> previously. And now I'm like, no, I get it now. This guy's my bud. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the right energy for yeah. this. Yeah. It, like he's confident in selling the not always great jokes and puns. Right. Uh, except he did have to say, Luke, you are a father in this one. And he's like, I'm throwing that one away, guys, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that was rough. There were a couple of those in, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was, where he actively, oh, it was, I think, during the uh, during the first group, the stand-up squad, where he was making jokes and then doing the, like, you know, extremely played like, uh, yeah. anyway, tip your waitress. And, uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, I'll be here all week. You know, those things. Yeah. Oh God. It was just, yeah. I love how campy this show is. I love yeah. how much <laughs> the puns and everything like lean into it. And I love having to actually like getting to actually watch Rutledge Wood have to stand there and say those things as straight face as possible is <laughs> it's a gift to me specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's, um, you know, he's become this, this like warm and comforting presence at this point, like, as we're welcome back into the lava <laughs> after two yeah. years. Um, you know, so I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I've come, I've, I wouldn't say I've come around on him because I know that we kind of, you know, maybe went after his his hosting style a little bit. But I think that everything about the show has become more itself, if that makes sense, yes. since the last season. Like, I think, you know, and that, that yeah. makes sense, you know, that that would happen in that amount of time. But they've they've really pinned down what the identity of this show is. Um, and I think that that works so much better and that it also showcases him as being a good choice even more that he's the right fit. And now, now it doesn't seem like somebody else could do it and have it and have it work. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. What did you guys think of the fact that, uh, there was no welcome to season two, just as a reminder, here's what the show is. It was like, we're in the garage. Like that's (laughs) how the show's basically starts. I mean, it was almost, I had that same thought of like, that's interesting. Why? Like, Mm -hmm. it was almost like they were like, don't worry about season one. We've changed so much. It doesn't matter. You don't need context. This is a game show where you're trying not to fall in lava. I think you've got it. (laughs) They didn't even really say that. They were just like, you get it, right? We're in the garage. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It was basically a continuation of season one where they had just happened to make a lot of changes. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Uh, I loved it, but that's only because I clearly... um, was already so bought in that I didn't need sure. any help. Yeah. Oh, I liked it too. I was in it. It yeah. feels like a power move, honestly. I mean, I think they mm-hmm. they knew like they got really good viewership numbers for that yeah. first season. And when I pulled up the episode to rewatch again this morning, it said like number eight in in uh, on Netflix today or whatever. So I think that um that I love I love that confidence of like we know that you know what this is and yes. even if you didn't watch the first season you heard about it so we're just right. going for it we're going to get to the fun parts we're not going to stand here and explain to you the concept of a children's game um, yeah but sort of blown up <laughs> so yep. let's kind of start digging in a little bit more specifically because one of the changes that they made was that you had to a like open the exit mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. b get exit passes to get your team out mm. and i was fascinated by that because they didn't explain that you would need them until someone was like all right i got my exit pass and they're like good now he can leave and i was like that's 
that's how you told me that this huge change had happened. <laughs> now it was in the it was in the beginning where they show the map of the course really oh. quickly. They do mention that, but it's it's quite brief. So yeah, I think I think probably a lot of people missed that detail since it was not something that they did last season. And I I do wonder. It's an interesting change, definitely. It is. I was so yeah. furiously taking notes that I um I absolutely missed it i took way too many notes like it's it's two entire pages i can't really read it anymore i i did i went really hard i was very excited <laughs> i uh at first i was like exit passes you're like really overcomplicating this fun clean concept and then when i actually saw it i was like oh they are forcing you to take different like routes right. that's mm-hmm. actually pretty smart it's not just everybody take a route get to the end and be done i think I mean, as a rule, I feel like every single change that was made improved the show mm-hmm. a yeah. great deal. I am so happy with this one episode. I'm trying not to watch more than the one episode we're doing <laughs> per well, Netflix will make week. that hard. It'll just start. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, we have every streaming service we have. We have autoplay turned off because <laughs> of a lot of reasons. Uh, but oh, boy. Uh Thank goodness I had that turned off because otherwise I would have just gone. <laughs> so you're telling um, me you got to enjoy the full, insanely generic pop song that plays over the credits. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's right. That's great. Sure did. They should really reach out to Dr. Popular who did our theme song because I feel like it would fit really well. Um, but yes, 100%. The whole song. It was beautiful. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, um, I wonder whether some of that change to the exit methodology. I mean, I think the exit passes were definitely an encouragement to get people to move out onto the course, going different directions, you know, trying to find make that that crossing more interesting and more engaging. Yeah. Um but I wonder whether the switch to the exit itself not just having to open, but like removing the descending stairs, right? Which was yes. an interesting time component to the runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that time component is mostly gone. I would mm-hmm. say like it still matters in terms of your placement, but it doesn't matter when you're physically in the room the way that it did before. Um, but I do wonder whether that was kind of a, a technical and safety concern because it seemed like that mechanism was always a bit of a challenge. Like, I just feel like getting that to continue working in this viscous lava was probably a big challenge. And a lot of people wiped out there in ways that looked really painful. So I'm wondering if that may have been partially like a, maybe we should do this a little bit differently. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely made note uh, that I heartily approved of the the crash pad at the exit. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I remember yeah. last season seeing a couple people like scrape a shin on that exit like entryway and mm-hmm. just being like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm so glad that that was there. But, yeah, I feel like by adding the the exit passes, by adding like puzzles you have to solve in the room to be able mm-hmm. to get out like the, the lockbox and stuff, uh, they've added enough like, I don't know, like excitement to doing the crossing that you don't need to then also be like and the jump out of the room suddenly gets harder like there's plenty of other stuff to be difficult let's just uh let's just you know judge up what's going on in the room itself because that's the fun part anyway you want to see more of the stuff inside of the room yeah that's a very good point Although also, as we saw this episode, missing that final jump is still very satisfying to see. Still, yes, oh yes. gosh. I was watching so closely because uh, the first two groups, 
if you were the first one to go for the jump to that a uh, to that what wagon, a you didn't make absolute it. robbery. That is <laughs> that is too mean to me. I know. I couldn't believe it. Those and I was breakaway here. sides. I mean, they had to be right. Like if those were real wooden sides yeah. that didn't like give it all, those people would have uh, been very hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I was sitting here like with my husband, like, well, there's no way anybody's going to be able to do that because the momentum as you're trying to get over that is just going right. to throw you straight over it. Mm-hmm. I obviously get very into this show. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was uh, I was so sure that like, well, that's a death sentence. That's just the pyramid from uh, the <laughs> other one all over again. But it, and then, uh, you know, the the last group, the return of the Jersey or the ver- Virzi triplets. I don't remember how to say Virzi, that. I believe Virzi the the triplets. The return of the triplets. <laughs> uh, one of them makes it on there. At, like the first one makes it on there and doesn't fall immediately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So okay, I'm going to try to drill down now into this specific episode a little bit more because uh, we've got our three groups. Uh, as is tradition, they've all got some like extremely simplistic uh, simplification of how they know each other or what they have in common. So we've got the stand-up squad, bad daditude, and then the uh, Veerzy triplets, which was a little bit less of a branding thing, although they were just triplets the first time too. Uh, and I, I love that there is actual like competition between the teams now like that they Mm -hmm. are aware of each other and their times and the whole thing i agree uh but i especially loved discovering that the stand-up squad and the virzi triplets Mm -hmm. uh are in like a stand-up circuit together and know each other and already like have some very (laughs) joking beef Um, especially because we spent a lot of time uh, in the the triplets episode last season being like wow these guys are trying really hard to make jokes while they're doing this run uh <laughs> yeah. which was true again this time and also now i'm like now it makes sense now i yeah. get it <laughs> yeah now that i now that i know that they're they're like professional comedians the bar is now higher and i'm like they're really not funny enough for that <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of great to be like Oh, I, it is still like the best way to get on one of these shows is still to have an engaging, outgoing personality, as you yeah. can tell mm-hmm. by the people that, that end up. And they're like, yeah, these are all stand ups, but we're going to make you a different theme to not make that obvious. Right, exactly. <laughs> also, one of the dads is not a dad, you guys. Come That's on. That's what yeah, I was I about know. to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> An uncle is not a dad. I'm sorry. It's well, not. No, 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 no. Right. Like, I, there's a completely different vibe to being a, a cool uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was yeah. I was truly like, see this a stretch, another stretch. Way to go! Um, <laughs> I do appreciate that uh, the scenes introducing the teams had them like sitting on a couch with a bunch of fake lava on the floor, and so they were clearly yeah. told like, don't don't let your feet touch the floor because the floor is lava. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought that was a fun, like, it added some some more kind of flavor to this yeah. that was unique to this show because the I didn't dislike the, the sort of, I don't know, cyberspace looking um, introductions that they did in the last season, <laughs> but it felt more like American Gladiator or Ninja Warrior or something like that. It didn't have, um, 
it didn't have a vibe that felt like it quite fit with this show being yeah. like really competitive and physically difficult, but also very, very silly on purpose. Right. Um, so I, I think this works a lot better. It feels uh, it feels friendlier somehow. Yeah, for sure. It was a great room, too. Mm-hmm. There were fun puzzles everywhere. I loved uh, there was a, a dumb joke about the little exercise bike. They called it a Pelaviton. <laughs> Come Pelaviton, on. I love yeah. that. So <laughs> it's good. It's the worst. It's so bad, but it's like so on brand. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, they probably don't have an actual Peloton uh, like, you know, sponsorship because they wouldn't let them change the name that much. And then they were like, yeah, it's really expensive to, to, to ride the Pelaviton. Like, oh, they definitely right? don't have bikes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, the, all of the even the uh, voiceover was shot before all the Peloton stock absolutely crashed. So, I you know, know, right. A nice little mm-hmm. bonus there for them, I'm sure. Just added to the joke even more. It was beautiful. Um, Yeah, it's still a weird collection of stuff. Like, I don't have an entire I guess I live in Wisconsin. My garage is important to me because it's where my car goes when it snows. Um <laughs> And so having an entire like band set up there with like, you know, drum kit and guitars and all that and then hanging wetsuits like. No, no, see, there's a I understand what the issue is here, though. You live in Mm. Wisconsin. This was a Los Angeles garage. Yes, that's <laughs> because true. there's a sports <laughs> Those car. Garages. There are surfboards. There's a paddle board. They've got these wetsuits. One of them's in a band, but also they have a Peloton because they have to God. stay fit. This was an extremely California garage. That's true. That's, that's true. so true. Even so, I think making I think the drum set is a stretch even with that and also mm. making it a key part of the puzzle. Like, you know, a garage where you would rock out on your drums. Like, I, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen movies where a bunch of bands play in their garage, right? That happens. I guess that's, that's true. Garage band garage is literally band a, is a thing. thing. <laughs> All right, I withdraw. <laughs> yes, I understand. Great room, though. Yeah, I love that the paddleboard, you actually had to like paddle to get across the room. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah. yeah, weirdly not as diabolical uh, an individual obstacle as I thought it was going to be. Like, people did quite well with it, I think. Yeah. It was, it was the wheel was tough but not as tough as it could have been it was really that that pool raft though was a situation Mm -hmm. because it was one of those kind of that they've had you know the same way with the pyramid the pyramid was a one-way obstacle right getting onto it wasn't super hard but getting off of it was nearly impossible and i feel like that's the same situation with that pool raft right like you can jump onto it and it's great because it absorbs your momentum right it moves some so you don't just slide off the other side but when Mm -hmm. you're jumping off of it you don't have a stable platform to jump from so jumping off of that pool raft is a bad thing for sure. It, yeah. yeah, it was impossible. I, I couldn't believe that it went as well as it did for people for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah, these are some fit comedians. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was like extremely set. A couple of them made everything way harder for themselves than they needed to. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I think it was bad attitude that was the worst at it where they were uh, Chris was doing pull-ups for a while, and then yeah. uh, later on, they used something as monkey bars that spun around. Like they were just like, "Watch what I can do," which might yeah. be dad vibes if you're, you know, the right kind of dad, I guess. <laughs> CrossFit dads. I mean, they are CrossFit dads. Yeah, yeah. they are CrossFit dads. Ugh. That's a whole whole vibe, man. <laughs> 
But yeah, Willie was like a really powerful competitor that I did I not expect. Willie. When they introduced them as stand-up comedians, I was like, well, you know, I, it's not like you can't do stand-up and also be fit. But I right. think I had maybe set my expectation at a certain level. And I was very surprised. I was like, okay, this this guy is really on top of this. His jumping power, like his standing jump was incredible. Yes. And that is yes. such a powerful thing on these courses. If you can yes. be in one place and jump really far, but also accurately to another location is like the number one thing that you want to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I did also appreciate his uh, like, all right, count me down. And then they're like, one, two, three. And he's like, no, I go on four. <laughs> all right bud like whatever works for you if you weren't ready to make the jump you can just say that and that's okay <laughs> i think three two four is an incredibly powerful count yeah. i love that <laughs> yeah they were probably my favorite team from this uh from this episode and so i was just like desperately yeah. eager for them to win at that mm-hmm. point and I don't want to get to the ending until we get there, no, but go. I feel like if they had taken one small page out of the dad's book, which is that the dads were good in like helping the person behind them and bracing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And the comedians, if they had been a little better at that, could have won, I think. Yeah, I think the I secret agree. to this whole show is teamwork. Uh, yeah. It that was our whole mantra first season. <laughs> it continues this time. Any team yeah. that actually is like we're helping each other is instantly uh, better off than all the others. That's where I think the exit pass is an interesting idea because it does force you to almost never be in the same part of the course. Mm. Right. But yeah, that's still true. Fun. I mean, it spreads people out, but it also, you know, you've still got to do, you know, switches to slow mm-hmm. things down. Although I do not believe that s- switching the treadmill to be slower had any real impact. No. Having seen the people who just went for it, I'm like, no, if you land on that treadmill hard enough, it's not it's just going to stop moving for a little while. You'll be fine. Like, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, I liked the idea behind that and, you know, lowering uh, things for people to cross with. Like those were all in the first season. And I like that those were uh, kept up for the most part. The Palavatan bike pulling in that uh, the raft in theory seemed like it was good, although uh, bad attitude sure did like ignoring basically everything meant to make the course easier for them. So uh, absolutely. They just were like, let's just pull the string. You got it. Okay. (laughs) It was a very it was such a dad moment because he tried for a second and then he was like, well, it doesn't work. And it's like he's like didn't like like, am I am I possibly doing something wrong? No, it doesn't work. I'll pull you in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They also uh, Chris from Bad Datitude was my one face plant of the episode that I noticed. Um, So if I need to keep my Mm -hmm. my tracker going, uh, I might need to do a review and amend this episode uh, at some point because, uh, like I said, I was taking a lot of notes. I got very distracted. But that's the only one I caught. But boy, howdy, was it a rough one because he was the one to absolutely whiff it on the wagon right before the end. And he just Uh like smashed his whole face it was 100% face. There was no like arm or other part of the body absorption of that force. That was all face. Yep. Yeah. And that wagon, man. Oh, it's too it was, it's too mean. It's rough. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing other rooms, mostly because I'm like, please tell me that's not in all of them. Although I do <laughs> love the idea that at least they put something that's likely to really get in your way right at the end. Yeah, of course you want that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I mean, it's worth noting uh, that right now there are only five episodes out. 
I had a bit of a meltdown uh, on Twitter <laughs> because Man vs. B is going to be 10 episodes long. This is <laughs> this is a thing that I am intimately aware of. It is a big part yeah, of my yeah. life. It's been emphasized. Mm-hmm. It's been emphasized in my in my personal and professional life right now. That Man vs. <laughs> B is 10 episodes long. Uh-huh. But but Flora's Lava season two is five. And I had had a bit of a meltdown. Yeah, and then our friend Stodd, uh, who's on the episode, uh, an episode of the podcast, he was great to talk to. Uh, he did reply to my tweet to let me know that per Anthony Carboni, who is also on the podcast, mm-hmm. there will be five more. They're just <laughs> not out yet, and oh, I was goodness. so relieved because all of the articles I looked up were like five episodes, five episodes. I was having, uh, I was heartbroken, um, and so I'm relieved to know there will be five more episodes later hopefully within about hmm, five weeks from now so our podcast doesn't have to take another yeah. break but uh <laughs> if it does it does everybody uh you know don't don't unsubscribe in your podcatcher because uh we're gonna show back up at some point we can't let the b win the b cannot no win. the b cannot win and neither can rowan atkinson <laughs> no the, neither of them can win and if there's any chance of getting an extra episode to get it to 11 i think we need to start campaigning now because right. it's got to have one more episode than man vb it needs to win i just need a win here because i know oh yeah anyway that's where that's where my heart was um let's let's talk a little bit about the Beersy triplets because I I took the time to re-listen to our first episode uh, from our first season of All's Fair and Lava and Floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so much of it still applies. These guys were <laughs> trying way too hard uh, to make yeah, yeah, yeah. jokes while they were on the course. And they were some of the worst jokes I've ever heard. Uh, mm-hmm. Including, like, some of them weren't even jokes. Like, they just uh, were talking about their previous run. And they were like, we came in a little cocky. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, we're still cocky. Because we're going to win. We're going to do it. And I was like, so you didn't learn anything then? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Speak on that. I do believe that this has haunted them, though. I, I like I genuinely yeah. think that they have oh, not yes. been able to live this down with their family. I think in the in the first season we talked about that maybe that was kind of a goof. Now I think, you know what? I'm not sure that it is. I think I maybe think that their family did give them a hard time. Yeah, I I, I, mean, I truly believe that. It seems like the family of these triplets would have come from uh, is no stranger to ribbing each other right. <laughs> for minor things. Yeah, I mean, they ribbed themselves. One of the guys said at one point, like, dude, there's a sign. I wish I could read. I was like, are you kidding? (laughs) What a weird thing that you were like, this will be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys notice? This was so funny to me. They had tape on their arms in different colors, I think, Mm -hmm. so you could tell them apart. Yep. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. I Although, think that, that, that makes might sense. have been for the editors. <laughs> I think it might have been too, or for like Rutledge up top mm-hmm. or something. Just like, uh, okay, and that one is Mitchell. Okay, great. Yeah, red arm. Got it. Red on the arm is Mitchell. Great. Wow. I also I did. I did write that. it down. I wrote them down so that I could tell them apart because I was like, well, <laughs> thank you for the help. Because, uh, whoops. I did forget how long. Well, that one Sean, I think, spent on the pyramid last time. Of course, I don't know how I oh. forgot. When I saw the clip, I was like, oh, right. Yep. Um, 
and that was a highlight of season one. And also, I forgot the really great, uh, the one funny joke that I think is like unequivocally great that they did in that season, which was from a place of truth, I assume, which is, why did you stop working out? And he's from the pyramid. He's like, I was sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a little prescient, perhaps, because they definitely shot yeah. that pre-COVID, and then mm -hmm. yeah, it, then we watched it during COVID, yeah. and uh, <laughs> oh boy, really hoofa doofa, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did love though. Like at first, I was like, "You guys, you, why are you making so many flying leaps when you don't have to?" Like, right? There's like a a, a better purchase right here, but you're just like going crazy with it i have to admit they were good at it for the most part but that's the one thing that uh, the flying leap tendency actually saved them from the wagon problem because they didn't yes. try to brace themselves with those sides at all mm, they went yep. right for the middle and then he still yep. he still ate it <laughs> yeah still biffed it uh mm -hmm. mitchell was the first one out uh on both attempts so that was beautiful i loved that mm -hmm. as he mm -hmm. fell that they showed us the nice comparison great i loved it um <laughs> And then, yeah, like Sean made it onto the wagon and then biffed it just trying to make the what looked like not actually that challenging of a jump comparatively no. to the exit. Um, and I was just yeah. like, this is poetic. This is <laughs> predestined. It had to be. That was his second kind of bad jump choice, even though the first one didn't take him out because Sean was the one who tried to get a running start on the treadmill oh, to jump yeah. to the oh, car. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he made it. And like, I wonder whether he genuinely thought that would help or if at this point the triplets have kind of recognized that they are characters in this universe, maybe right. more than any of the other teams, <laughs> and that they were just kind of playing along with the bit. Um, but I did notice on his jump that he kind of, second guessed himself halfway through which you kind of wonder yeah. whether he got in his head a little bit after the whole pyramid situation sure. but the the wagon isn't straight like it's not it's not yeah. parallel to the exit and he changed like halfway through seems to have realized like as he was jumping oh the other side that I'm not jumping from is closer to the exit but that you know you can't hesitate mid jump right especially yeah. because everything's so slick you're yeah. just you're going to wipe out if you do that and i think i th but i do think that maybe there was um that that intellectual hesitation can can really get you so i feel yeah. i feel yeah. a little bit bad for him you know um having been this sort of uh this character who who got stuck on the pyramid that maybe he didn't have the confidence to make the jump yeah, at least he was the last survivor. I mean, he at least yeah. he can sort of use that against his brothers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you guys have talked this uh, to death before, so feel free to stop me. But the first of all, the editing on the show is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so good, really, really good. Um, and it there is has got to be some behind the scene rule that they don't want to complicate the audience with about how much lava you can get on you yes. before they're like, no, you're out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think Mitchell did in fact make that jump with enough arm purchase to pull himself up to the car, but somebody was like, nope, doesn't count, and he had to be, and they cut away briefly, and they cut back mm -hmm. to him going, no, yeah, because <laughs> uh, I think he totally he he totally had purchase there. It's just that some producer was like, nope. Yeah. I truly believe that the rule at this point is like your waistband of your shorts. Mm -hmm. Like if it's yeah. more than half of you, you're out. Um, and it's Fair. just that straightforward because we 
we weren't just totally like sure Lava. what the rule was the first season, but we had a like, is it up to your knee maybe? And I saw a couple today where I was like, or not today, but this episode uh, where I was like, mm, no, a couple of people would have lost, you know, the yeah. their entire, you know, knee down if it was real lava there, but they're fine. Um, yeah. Do you want to hear my lava conspiracy theory about this? Yes. Yes. Always. I think I think that they have slightly changed the rule since last season. I yeah. think that it was more generous this time about how much lava you could get on you, because I definitely remember people in season one who were getting less lava than that, who were then clearly doing the dramatic release. Right. And mm-hmm, falling into mm-hmm. the lava. So I think they may have been a little bit softer on how much lava you could get on you before they would call you you know, out effectively, which I assume yeah. is what's happening, that there's a producer on mic who's saying like, nope, that's it. You're you're done. Um and we did ask Anthony about this, and it yep. sounded like it was maybe one of those things that he was not going to tell us on mic, which I was fascinated mm. by. Um, yeah. and, but it also, I think, to me, reinforces that I do wonder whether maybe um, they had some set idea of what that meant last season and that it could potentially have changed. But we'll have to see more episodes for me to yeah. watch how much lava immersion people have before they let go very carefully. I bet you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you're right. And like everything else i'm like and it was the right call i support Mm -hmm. them in it like yeah it's it makes for like a more exciting thing if somebody does have enough purchase to pull themselves up um to just go for it but you know half is pretty pretty far i think that that's a fair uh fair assessment yeah i feel like we're gonna have to have a once we've watched all episodes talk to anthony again (laughs) (laughs) yes i didn't i wanted to listen through our entire back catalog uh to review for all right so what did we like casually say gosh i wish they would change this and then (laughs) um it they did (laughs) because it sure felt very like i felt very special and smart for being like oh man they should really put rutledge in the room and then they did and oh man i wish it was more competitive between the teams and then they were like what if what if volcano aggro crag Mm -hmm. which was literally actively said between us in a couple of episodes in our first season so uh even if it's not true which of course i'm sure uh the producers wouldn't tell us if it was Mm -hmm. uh because they don't want to give us an ep credit even though we deserve it um (laughs) uh even if he doesn't tell us it just makes me feel good and smart and that's all that really matters (laughs) yeah i think you guys were on top of it I feel like yes. they gamified this season in a different way. And actually, I, yeah. I this is why I think it's great to start with with Ryan from from that standpoint for this first episode, because that is what you do for you. So you want to talk about your job, Ryan? Um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I profe- think I'm a professional geologist. I work with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that um, the main rooms this season. So we'll just set aside the volcano for just a second. I feel like this was a lot more gamified um, and yep. a little bit less physical, like still very physical, but mm-hmm. less like if you don't have the upper body strength to do this, you're definitely not going to be able to finish the room that they were putting in things that you had to figure out that you had to get the exit passes. Right. That you needed to undo a combination lock. Right. That there were there were more yeah. elements that were more escape room like inside of it that made you think about the way you were approaching the room instead of just being able to sort of throw brute strength at it and have that work. Um, but yeah. I'm curious whether, you know, like whether you guys felt that way and whether you feel like that's, I mean, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but how 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 it improved the gameplay from a viewership standpoint. 
Yeah, I think it did for the most part. Uh, it feels like I, I, this occurred to me that they, they are dealing with something that we do think about at Jackbox a lot, which is like, when is failing fun and when is success fun? I, you would mm-hmm. think success yeah. is always fun. But it, in a, um, you know, in a game where you have, we're playing against each other, uh, you know, we make a lot of party games. We make, uh, you know, humorous games. It's funny to see somebody fail in a spectacular way. Mm-hmm. So do you want to make a, how many wagons do you put in your game? Do you want to uh, make it so that you go, oh, my God, I can't believe. And then, you know, do you want to encourage people to uh, fail big? Uh, and then once you do that, you have to dial it in. So, well, you can't fail all the time because then it's not fun or you won't mm-hmm. feel like you can play it. Um, and then ultimately, at the end, it has to feel like somebody succeeded in a way that feels like not only satisfying, but that they earned and deserved that. It wasn't just you turning dials. Um, this show's pretty good at that. I think, I think this would be a very difficult show to balance that with because do you, is it more pleasurable to, to root for, cause you're rooting for them and you want mm-hmm. them to succeed in general. Mm-hmm. Is it the catharsis of seeing them succeed equal or better than the catharsis of seeing them <laughs> fail? Cause they're both pretty fun. Um, yeah. yeah, so I definitely think it's, it's, it's interesting, but I think they, especially having that final, relative comparatively easy course uh, yes. between two teams where it's really there aren't very many fail states it's just about time makes it so it focuses your your attention at the end to be like i'm rooting for this and then finally somebody won and i'm happy mm-hmm. i did i did have a genuine moment of panic uh watching the final climb the volcano uh competition between the two teams because uh one of the guys from bad datitude the whole you know thing of there's going to be a rock up there. You need to put it in this little slot thing. Mm-hmm. He almost dropped his rock. Mm-hmm. I know. And like they took just like a split second of like slow-mo watching him almost drop it, which was beautiful. Again, editing on the show. Uh, amazing. I love it. Uh, yeah. But I had a real moment of like somebody this season's going to drop that rock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be so good yeah i mean i do feel like they they gamify the whole thing more and and better because even the added thing of uh even if it's not literally live in the obstacle course uh but having the teams that have already run standing on a balcony together watching mm-hmm. like yeah i like that ads ads an element that was technically there, but like you just didn't feel it. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, it made it feel more like a competition between the teams rather than like a competition against a clock that then they'll just sort of like put next to each other later. Right. Yeah. I definitely think that was, that was the first time they were seeing that. Like, regardless yeah. of whether or not they were watching it live, they had not seen that before. Those, those reactions were totally genuine. And that yeah. mix of, kind of wanting the other team to fail but also reacting in a really human way when they did or when they almost did like there was that palpable like oh my god i can't believe they did that like you can't fake that um right and i think especially like at this point in time when most of us are in environments where we don't get to hear other people react it really it really ups the the intensity of it the anxiety and like your sort of emotional investment because i always felt that way watching um even on the on the first season but having those people also be there i think really improved that experience for me yeah absolutely and even you know we spent a lot of time wondering about like the game clock uh Mm -hmm. in the first season and 
the way that they like put up the times while the last team was running, when it became a, a matter of, all right, they had one person left. So now it's about time. Yeah. Putting mm-hmm. the two times on the clock or on the screen and letting us watch that and like giving us stakes as we needed them and updating us throughout the game on like what the stakes were going to be was so helpful because it, a lot of the time we didn't have good context in the first season yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent a lot of time being like, can they see the clock? Do they know they should be going fast? Because boy, it doesn't feel like it with a lot of those teams. <laughs> uh, and so there being the added element of like, there will be something to do after this and here's how you get to that. Otherwise you'll be eliminated and not even have the opportunity just makes a yeah. huge difference to like the pacing of it, which I'm really jazzed about. And the episodes are a little longer than they were last season, I think, Mm -hmm. to kind of make up for it, which, Mm -hmm. again, love it. So glad. It's like seven minutes. And that seven minutes is incredibly powerful. Like it is a really useful seven (laughs) minutes that they they really get their money's worth out of. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think you're exactly right about the about the context, because before it was Rutledge Wood being like, if nine minutes is more than 10 minutes, (laughs) <laughs> then this team is going to do something. But in this time, yeah. it's uh, it's him going like, he can turn to the actual person and, and go, they have two minutes to beat you. And that person go, oh no! And that <laughs> right? was like much, much more present. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so good. I All of that little extra stuff to make it, you know, feel more intrinsic to the game. Because otherwise, yeah, it really did just feel like everyone does their own thing. And then we look at their times at the end and yeah. say, all right, you win. Um, yeah. And so now it feels like it's happening in real time uh and that's that's so fun i'm having a blast uh (laughs) so so agree so ryan yeah uh as is tradition on our show uh we like to ask people who their two teammates would be if they uh did a did a run of this uh of this obstacle course let's say that you're going to be in this specific course you get to know exactly what the garage looks like before you go uh, who who would you want your teammates to be? Celebrity, non-celebrity, Muppet, non-Muppet, what whatever. <laughs> I have um I feel like I have a somewhat realistic answer and a somewhat fanciful answer fanciful answer, if that's okay. That's great. Um yeah. Okay. My realistic answer is I would probably take uh Mike Builder, my boss, <laughs> uh, who is a expert at escape rooms and a physically fit dude. And I think he would not only take instant leadership and solve all the problems, but would be good at the, uh, the physical portions of the course. And, um, I don't know who else would my, my, in my real team, would I take maybe my sister who I think we have a pretty good strategizing sort of, uh, we're equally, be equally bad at the physical parts. I, well, she'd be better than me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but my fanciful, lineup, which I was like, huh, who would I choose if I could choose anyway? And I glanced over at my stack of Blu-rays here and I found accidentally the two best teammates. And of course that would be Teen Wolf and Snake from Escape from New York. Now, (laughs) wow. Okay. Okay. Teen Wolf, he's got all the physicality of the wolf and he's going to easily best the course. But as we know from watching Teen Wolf, at the end, he learns about teamwork and that that's really the important part. And so he'd be actually the perfect balance. And Snake Plissken, it always seems like he's the world's against him. And yet he refuses to ever die. He always comes out on top. And so I feel like uh, 
those would be my my choices because I would definitely I mean I would definitely die right away, but they would make it through. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Powerful. Absolutely. Uh yeah. Well, I I feel pretty good about uh about how this season's gonna go, both of our show and of Flora's Lava. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. so uh Ryan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for volunteering to be uh, the person who had to rush to record an episode with us so that we could get one out within like three days of all the episodes dropping. My pleasure. And I'm just going to go watch the rest of the season now. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be so good. Um, Where can people find you? You can find games I work on at jackboxgames.com. We've got the uh, Party Pack 9 coming out in a a mere couple of months in the fall. Uh, We also have the Jackbox Party Starter coming out uh, shortly. Uh, We make party games that are fun, and you don't have to be a video games person to enjoy them. And you can listen to podcasts I work on, Hello from the Magic Tavern. Uh, Anywhere podcasts are sold or given out for free, usually. Like this one. Usually. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Thank you to Dr. Popular for the use of his song Lava as the theme song of our podcast. Uh, You can find more of his music on Bandcamp, and the link to that is in the episode description below. And like Rutledge would swinging across uh, a weather vane into the chorus, <laughs> a moment of pure joy, uh, we want everyone to remember that all's fair in lava and... Floor! Floor! <laughs> Ooh, that was beautiful <laughs> musical. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't sure remember. Have... Oh, no. Go. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I don't want to do oh, I'm anymore. sure you guys. <laughs> no, in fact, I don't like this podcast and I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, I quit. Oops.